Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. It's Thursday, October 6th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Elon Musk has done an about-face and offered to close his deal to buy Twitter for $44 billion. If both parties agree, they can avert a trial set for later in the month. Should the deal go through, many expect a lot of changes in the company, such as layoffs, lighter content moderation, and adding more functionality. Musk has said he wants to build a super app with offerings similar to WeChat. Jeremy Owens, San Francisco Bureau Chief and Tech Editor at MarketWatch, joins us for what to know. Next, as high inflation continues to batter Americans, the effects are starting to weigh more and more. A recent report said that 60% of Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck, and even high income earners are feeling the strain. Of those earning more than six figures, 45% of them are in the same boat. At the same time, people are feeling a recession fatigue and finding it hard to stay disciplined. Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC, joins us for more. Finally, a new survey for Morning Consult is identifying the brands that Gen Z loves the most. They are crazy for tech and junk food. YouTube, Google, and Netflix are among their favorite corporate brands, and then there is M&M's, Doritos, and Kit Kat. Jennifer Kingston, chief correspondent at Axios, joins us for Gen Z's favorites as they mature into more spending power. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. This will be uh, very interesting to see where it continues to go. And, and I hesitate to let people think that this is over now yeah. and that Elon's going to buy Twitter. We, we've kind of talked a lot about what that looks like, but there's still some steps in between here and there. Joining us now is Jeremy Owens, San Francisco Bureau Chief and Tech Editor at MarketWatch. Thanks for joining us, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me, Oscar. Well, let's talk about the latest in the roller coaster that is Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter. The latest was now that Elon Musk has said, okay, I will buy Twitter for $44 billion. They uh, agreed to the original price of $54.20 a share. And um, this lets them, you know, they don't have to go to trial now that was supposed to start October 17th. That's if Twitter does accept it and, you know, they go through with all of this. So, but there's a lot of things uh, potentially for how Twitter can change after Musk takes over. But first, just very quickly, Jeremy, if you could tell us, how did we get to this now with Elon Musk going back and saying, OK, finally, I will buy the company? Well, pretty much every step along the way in this 
trial process, Oscar, he has lost. The, the judge was not buying a lot of what he was saying. He did get extra data from Twitter to test his theory that there were greater percentage of bots than they claimed in their SEC filings. He has not been able to find that, apparently, according to testimony and hearings. And, you know, this was a, a, an odd attempt by him to begin with. It didn't look like he had any chance of winning in Delaware Chancery Court. And he was about to have to go into a deposition. And, and in fact, he may still have to, right? The judge actually said today that she is not going to call off any of the trial proceedings that were planned because nobody has issued a stay. I mean, they're at a little bit of a stalemate now where Elon has put forth that letter saying, I'll buy it if you'll call off the lawsuit. And Twitter has basically said, give us the money and we'll call off the lawsuit. And they're at a little bit of a standstill (laughs) right now. And he may be running into a little issue with the financing, right? He had lined up a lot of financing partners, including banks willing to put uh, out some debt financing that he has to go back and and try to do again now after he has said a lot of bad things about Twitter. So we're, we're not at the point where this trial is over and the judge is still expecting Musk to sit for a deposition tomorrow that could be very troublesome for the Tesla CEO. So this will be uh, very interesting to see where it continues to go. And and I hesitate to let people think that this is over now and that Elon's going to buy Twitter. We've kind of talked a lot about what that looks like, but there's still some steps in between here and there. Let's say things do go through and, you know, there's a lot of talk about how the company would change. You know, Musk wants to change things about content moderation on the platform, reduce its reliance on advertising. I think at one point he said he wanted to make Twitter's algorithm open source. So there's a lot of stuff that he would want to change. Uh, One of the first things that we might see is, you know, a lot of layoffs, a kind of restructuring of management. I would caution everyone listening never to really believe what Elon Musk says, especially on Twitter and about <laughs> Twitter. I mean, he says a lot of things that do not turn out to be true. He is aspirational in a lot of the things he says and then does not follow through. If he does follow through, it is on a much longer timeline than he tends to give for some of these moves that he makes. So it, it, it's very difficult to know exactly what he's going to do when he and if he gets his hands on this property. Certainly, you know, he has he has talked a lot about free speech and trying to get people who have been knocked off the platform back on, changing the way they moderate content. So we might see that. But it, I mean, trying to predict what Musk is actually going to do is a fool's errand, even when he's very open at times about what he says he wants to do, because that it, he just does not always follow through, especially. Especially in, in this regard. He did tweet about all of this after you know he made the latest announcement. He said, buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. Now, what is that? And he said at, at one point he, you know, maybe he can turn Twitter into much more of like a WeChat type platform and app, some of their functionality that they have there. But what does he uh, what does he mean by X the everything app? The, the concept that WeChat kind of exemplifies is that of a super app. Oscar. And this is a very common thing in China, where maybe your your financials, your social networking, your messaging, even shopping are all in the same app. Right. And, and, and that has been has made some of those companies, those mobile companies in China, gigantic companies. But that has never been able to be replicated in the United States for a variety of reasons including some some laws that that preclude uh, anyone from doing financial transactions online without proving their who they are first right and and Twitter allows users to be pseudonymous so you know there, there are lots of 
ideas out there floating around with blockchain and other things about how that you could make this work. But honestly, I mean, Facebook wants to do it. You know, they, they had the whole project Libra that was trying to get there. Everybody wants that super app. A lot of the fintech apps, such as SoFi, talk about this concept and how they could potentially get there. But I mean, this has been a discussion for five, 10 years now since these, these super apps really took off in China for when that was going to make it to the States. And it still hasn't for a variety of reasons. So he believes he can be the one to get there. I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> there you go. Jeremy Owens, San Francisco Bureau Chief and Tech Editor at MarketWatch. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It costs more every day. They don't know if they can fill up their gas tanks. They don't. Every time they go to the grocery store, it costs more. Their wages, they lost a month wages. Why? Because of inflation. Joining us now is Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about uh, what's going on right now with the economy. Uh, unfortunately, not so good news. The inflation that we're experiencing it continues to persist, and it's starting to weigh a little bit more on Americans. You know, for a long time uh, throughout the pandemic and all, you know, a lot of people were saving stuff. We were getting, you know, stimulus checks, things like that. So people kind of had this cushion. But as inflation keeps going, uh, all that's uh, either gone or it's uh, really starting to eat away at some of that. And a new report says that Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 60% of them. That's a very high number. So, Jessica, tell us a little bit more about this. Well, that's right. Inflation came on very fast, and it's been pretty stubbornly high for a while now. And I think everybody has felt it, whether they're it's for, you know, they're shopping at the grocery store or rent or home prices, medical care. It's nearly across the board. And that makes it hard to make ends meet at the end of the day when your paycheck isn't really keeping up with these higher prices that we're all seeing. So 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. This is according to a report from Lending Club. But an interesting part of this here is that even high income earners are feeling this strain. Right. Well, as inflation has persisted, it's just harder to avoid. And it's sort of trickled up in a way. Now everyone is saying that, yeah, it's harder to make ends meet. They're a little bit cash strapped at the end of the month. The number of people making more than six figures that said that they were feeling the strain of higher prices was 45% as of that most recent report. And that's up from 38% a year ago. So that's a pretty significant jump in that income bracket. We're seeing costs going up. We're seeing earnings go up just a little bit, but it's not really enough to offset what we're seeing with inflation. Right. Earnings and wages have been on the rise and pretty significantly, but they're, like you said, they're not keeping pace with inflation. And there was another report by Bank of America that also came out recently that found that 71% of workers say that their pay just isn't keeping up. So that makes the number of people that are financially vulnerable much higher than it was before. And when you're, uh, you know, kind of losing out on some of your cash reserves and whatever and living paycheck to paycheck, what do a lot of people start doing? They start using their credit cards a lot more. Right. There aren't a lot of options if you kind of can't make your ends meet between paychecks. So you either dip into cash reserves, any savings that you have. And then the most popular other alternative is, of course, relying on your credit cards. There's something called recession fatigue that's starting to set in with certain people. And this is there's another study that came out. So they say 31% of Americans say they're not equipped for an economic downturn and are not actively doing anything to prepare for one. So, I mean, people are seeing it coming at them and they're still not doing anything. 
Well, part of the problem here is that we've had a lot of bad news for a long time. I mean, we're just coming out of the pandemic, which lasted much longer than anyone ever expected. So people tried to be very careful with their spending. Of course, like you said, there was kind of sort of that influx from stimulus checks and some padded savings accounts when we really couldn't spend any money. And then people wanted to, you know, go out and live. There was like that moment of revenge spending during um, a very short-lived hot back summer. And now there's still worries about a recession and economic turmoil. And, you know, we have geopolitical unrest. And there's there's a lot more hits that keep on coming, putting pressure on most people. So what's happening is that some people are just kind of tired of being so diligent and responsible with their spending. They, they want to travel. They want to do things. They want to buy holiday gifts and have some fun. And in particular, our youngest adults are the ones that are kind of experiencing this recession fatigue. So our Gen Zers, right? A lot of them are starting to come into adulthood, uh, really starting getting some uh, financial power behind them. There's a whole half of that generation that's still very young. But, you know, like I said, our our youngest adults are are kind of experiencing this a lot. And when you talk about, as you just mentioned, right, starting to do those things that we couldn't do before, I mean, they're out in mass having fun right now. Right. Well, this is also the generation that maybe feels like they missed out on the most during the pandemic. You know, maybe they missed out on some major milestones like college or even just graduation or moving into their own apartment and having a roommate. I mean, a lot of a lot of those major moments were thwarted by the pandemic. And you can tell that this is a generation that feels a little slighted in a way. You had a few uh, uh, things that people can do to prepare for a recession, you know, streamline your spending, stash extra cash in a fun fund. So when things are going bad and you want to have something fun behind you, you have a couple uh, of bucks for that. Uh, one of the things that caught my eye, cut impulse purchases. So right now we're seeing shoppers spend $314, this is on average, a month on spontaneous purchases. Yeah, the numbers are pretty shockingly high. And a lot of that comes down to social media and the things that we're just inundated with every day, every moment when we're on our phones, all of the shopping incentives and things to buy. And of course, we have these big holiday sales coming up and it makes it really hard to be disciplined in your spending. But the advice for um, reining it in is pretty universal. And that's to just be very strict in you know necessities versus discretionary purchases and just try to pad your cash reserves a little bit, build up an emergency savings. That can go a long way during tough times. Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Gen Z is more likely to say that they have a somewhat or very favorable opinion of Twitch, Roblox, Xbox, PlayStation, brands that everybody's probably familiar with, but not to the extent that these younger people are. Joining us now is Jennifer Kingston, Chief Correspondent at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Jennifer. Hi, Oscar. Do you remember when it was always about uh, millennials? Stories uh, in the news were always about millennials and this and what they want and, you know, their growing buying power. Well, it's time for them to move over now. It's all about Gen Z. And uh, right now we had a, a recent poll from Morning Consult talking about their favorite brands and where they go. So they're crazy for tech companies. It's kind of funny because, uh, you know, the, the Gen Z are obviously a lot younger. I think some say, you know, it's between the ages of 10 to 24. So they're still very much in their junk food phase. They love a lot of uh, brands like M&Ms and Doritos and Kit Kats and, and things like that. So Jennifer, wa- help us walk through some of the top brands right now that Gen Z is loving. Well, these people are digital natives, to be sure. They were weaned on tablets and smartphones instead of books, like no generation before them. So it's perhaps not surprising that their very favorite brand in this morning consult poll is YouTube, with a more than 80% favorability rating. And from there, they go on to say that they like Google, which owns YouTube, Netflix, and Amazon. They are crazy for tech companies. They're also really crazy for gaming companies. Here's where they stand out from older consumers and millennials in particular. Gen Z is more likely to say that they have a somewhat or very favorable opinion of Twitch, Roblox, Xbox, PlayStation, brands that everybody's probably familiar with, but not to the extent that these younger people are. Yeah, a lot of these uh, obviously still tend to skew very young, right? So they pulled adults. We're 18 to 25, but the Gen Z spectrum, right, still skews a lot younger. But they're increasingly, um, uh, you know, more prominent on social media as these adults kind of start getting more jobs and all all that. You know, their spending power starts to show a little bit more and they're going to continue to mature. So that's why, you know, we look to them, right? What's going to be upcoming on the future? What was really interesting to me was the generational divide you could see in this poll. Not only the very distinctive taste of Gen Zers, Zoomers versus Millennials, but also with older adults. And I would say that many in the baby boom generation or even Gen X probably haven't heard of some of the brands that rose to the top with Gen Z. Discord is a chat brand that has its root in gaming, but is becoming more popular outside of gaming. And Sheen is a uh, Chinese-owned fast fashion brand that probably a lot of older consumers haven't seen in stores or may not have heard of. Others that, uh, that are very particular to that younger cohort, Fenty Beauty, owned by Rihanna, super popular among younger consumers. And of course, one of my favorites, Trolley, the maker of sour gummy worms. The snacks category was really prominent in a lot of this. Cheetos, Sprite, Skittles, all these candies and and different snack things. Doritos was in the top list there too. Uh, uh, Capri Sun. Yeah, Capri Sun, right? They're not out of that that, that, uh, childhood snack phase yet, it seemed like. 
for sure. And that's good for news for those companies, as well as for some of the biggest retailers, because let's not forget that Gen Z's taste dovetail with their elders in in a lot of cases. Amazon, Walmart, and Target are their favorite store brands. So that speaks to the enduring power of uh, those three uh, huge retail giants. What about gender breakdowns? It seemed like Gen Z women have a more favorable view of social media brands than men, except for Twitter. Uh, yeah, that, that was a really striking finding. When they did, uh, when they separated by gender, men and Gen Z were more likely to say that they had a high opinion of, of Twitter than women, but women were far and away happier with brands like TikTok, Pinterest, Snapchat, Facebook and Instagram, which, uh, you know, conforms to what we think about as uh, women being really excited to post on social media. And given that uh, the use of, of this age group of people who were who were polled, that suggests that there's a lot of stamina and enduring power to these platforms. Gen Zers are harder to please than millennials and other older consumers. So when it comes to corporate America in general, they give them a lot lower marks. So they kind of have, uh, in some of the people that you spoke to from Morning Consult, they said they have a more negative view of capitalism. They're a very political generation. So uh, what what did we uh, learn from there? There's a lot of skepticism in this younger group. They're probably disillusioned by the politics they've seen, by what they know and understand about climate change. There's a lot of disgruntlement, I would say, with the older people who have made the world that they're inheriting. And this is reflected in their overall lowers marks for the brands that we've been talking about here. The older people polled gave higher marks overall to a lot of the brands. One interesting kind of point of divergence or one one tension that emerged in some of this was that some of the brands that Gen Z likes the most like, for example, uh, TikTok or Sheen, are brands that have uh, come in under media scrutiny either because of their Chinese ownership or their environmental practices. So it may be one day that younger consumers will take a a more skeptical eye towards some of those brands and their practices. But for now, these are the companies that they know and love and have grown up with. Jennifer Kingston, Chief Correspondent at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Great to talk to you, as always. That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 